chapter 3. If you don't mind, join me standing as we read the entire chapter. Back in the Old Testament, they would stand when the word of God was read. And I think that it's just kind of like a sign of um, reverence to God's word. Amen. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants to whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase or, or gr- the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Did you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. You may take the seats. Um, Today we're going to talk about Christ is our foundation. Um, I I woke up this morning singing um, Solid Rock on Christ, um, who is our solid rock. And we base our lives on Christ alone. It is in his work. His righteousness has become our righteousness. Amen. Christ is our solid rock. Um, What is your life's purpose? What are the things that you are building your life and your ministry on? There are a vast majority of people in the world looking for purpose or some type of reason for living. If you think about it, think about Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. And how many that book sold? Millions. To the point that he came off of um, getting paid from his church 
to volunteering at his church. And he also sat down with his wife and over the last 25 years, whatever the church gave him and his wife and benefits and his salary, he wrote a check for. So that speaks volumes to us about people searching for their purpose. You think about Dr. Miles Moreau. Um, and, and, and his ministry in the United States really took, really took off when he started talking about purpose. He, he basically asked the five or six questions, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Where will I go when I die? Why am I here? These are the basic questions that he talked about in his book, The Pursuit of Purpose. People want to know their purpose. There are people who are in life, they have life coaches um, who are helping people to brand themselves and discover their purpose, helping them to pursue it. Now you can have a career as a life coach. Um, So people are in desperate desire, they're in desperate, they're passionate about discovering their purpose. You have people who are in ministry and their vision is to help people to find their destiny and their purpose on earth. We have churches and ministries who are empowering people to live their lives on earth. These things are not bad at all. They're actually good. But our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, drives us to think about that great day. Life after death. That great day awaits all of us. Whether or not you're ready or not, that day is coming. Um, Purpose on earth is really discovered when Christ is understood in his gospel. The gospel defines our purpose on the earth. So if you want to know your purpose, allow the gospel to define it. When you realize how wretched people, how wretched we are, then you'll know the gospel gives us hope. I think some have looked to their purpose as their hope. If I can find and discover my purpose, then I'll have hope in this world. Our foundation must be on rock solid. If we're going to obtain any type of reward from the Lord, we must build upon the foundation the things that will endure the Lord's fire. If not, then we will suffer loss. What is your foundation and what are you building upon it? All right. So if you think about the word foundation, I looked it up in a dictionary. It simply means a layer of bricks, concrete that forms the solid underground base of a building. Um, A principle on our ideal or a fact that something is based on and that it grows from. That's a foundation. Foundations are important. I don't know if you know that, but it's extremely important. Uh, If the foundation isn't right, then everything upon it collapse. Um, This past Thursday, there was a man in Florida who was in his bed sleep. And what happened was his house was built upon a sinkhole. And he was asleep and the the bedroom fell um, over, what was it, 30 feet? Honey, what? A hundred feet. So imagine in your bed you sleep, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're falling. And they condemned the house. You can look it up on the internet. It happened this past Thursday. Um, and, and that that whole area they're they're concerned about um, the foundation that it wasn't solid. They said something um, kind of caused this to happen. 
So the foundation wasn't solid, therefore it fell. Our foundation must be solid if we're ever going to make it in this life in eternity. We got to have a strong foundation. Last week, we were talking about growing up spiritually, and we looked at these, um, these brothers and sisters at this church, Corinth, and how they were um, ruled by their flesh. They were ruled by their natural desires, and how Paul is correcting them and, and saying, listen, it, Paul and Apollos and Cephas, and none of these people are anything when it comes to what God is doing. God is the object of our faith. And, and so we, we kind of went into that. Question for you, what is your life built upon? What are you building your life on? What is your ministry built upon? Some will say, I don't have a ministry. And I will say to you, you don't know the Bible. Let's go real quick. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're talking about Christ is our foundation. Christ is our solid rock. Without an understanding of this, um, we will yield ourselves to every doctrine. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All things is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. That is God, Christ got that, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So here we have a ministry called the ministry of reconciliation. We, are, we should be going about declaring how Christ, how God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is our message and this is our ministry. So don't ever say you don't have a ministry. All right, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I think we like to limit the ministry to the five-fold ministry, as some will say, or the pulpit ministry. But all, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a ministry. Keep that in mind. Even as Dr. Patrick shared with us a couple months ago, or well, a month ago, um, that how we are all evangelists. You know, it's, it's not just limited to the five food, but we are called to share this good news. If you think about the Great Commission. And the Lord did not give you the Holy Ghost for nothing. You have been summoned into Christian ministry. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So if you're saved today, you have the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost has equipped you to be his witness. So therefore, you do have a ministry. And it would do us well if we would work our ministry. Um, you're called to God. You're called by God to be His witness, witness on the earth through the proclamation of the gospel and kingdom living. Matthew 28, the Great Commission is a call to all disciples and not just a few. Amen. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse uh, verse nine. 
It says, for we are God's fellow workers. One translation, I'm reading out an English Standard Version. One translation says, we are God's um, co-laborers. We are working together with God. God who is sovereign, who, who can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do. He doesn't need our help, but yet he calls us to help him. He invites us to help him. He says, you are God's laborer or fellow workers. You are God's field. So you think about that. We are God's gardener. You know, you think about a garden. You know, you plant. Um, I remember being a kid and um, growing up, and I used to have a garden in, in my grandma's backyard. I would grow watermelon. You know, and we had to fight off the snakes because snakes would like to come around and, and mess up our um, watermelon you know, thing. And so I had a garden I was proud of and I I planted um, tomatoes, you know, and then the green tomatoes my grandma would take and and fry them. You know, y'all ever had fried green tomatoes? Incredible. (laughs) And then, um, then my brother one time, he, my brother Daniel, he actually brought home a strawberry plant and he was planting that. That was part of his project. And then my uncle got a hold of it and planted some marijuana. Just kind of messed up the whole strawberry thing. <laughs> he couldn't take it to school. <laughs> Just, Mom, do you remember that? Mom, do you remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he messed up the whole plant. So, so the scripture says, <laughs> the scripture says, we are God's field or God's garden, and so God is planting His word in our lives. You think about when you read the word, when you hear the word, when you declare the word, it's going into the garden of your heart. And whatever you plant, it will show up. So you plant negative stuff, it's going to show up as negative. You You plant God's word, you're going to be just like Christ. So we are God's garden. And then he goes on, he used the same illustration. He says, you're God's building. This is the same concept of being God's temple. We are God's temple. We're God's building. Let's look at verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So here's Paul, an apostle. If you want to know a real true apostle, Apostle will build or lay the foundation for others to build upon. That's what apostles do. They are graced by God to lay the foundation for others to build upon. Paul is considered a master builder. All right. Remember, he says you are God's builder, building. And so he's laying the foundation. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. We have, if if, um, you think about it, he laid the foundation at Corinth by proclaiming the gospel to them. Christ Jesus and him crucified and resurrected. That's what the foundation that Paul laid. laid. He laid the solid foundation. And everyone must be careful how... He builds upon the foundation that Paul laid. What is this foundation? Let's, let's take a side journey. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Hold your places in 1 Corinthians 3. Ephesians chapter 2. When you got it, say amen. 
Look at verse 19. Verse 19 through 22, it says this. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation, here we go again, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. So what is God doing on the earth now? He is building his church. Matthew 16 says, upon this rock, the rock of who he is, I will build my church. And so we see Paul laying the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. So we got to be careful of what we put on this foundation. Let, uh, take another side journey. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. As you can see, the Spirit of God is moving. He's building a building for, for the Lord. He's, he's building a temple. But this time, this temple is not a physical temple. It's the hearts and the minds of people. Acts says this. He says, Paul says, um, one of the apostles says, God will not dwell in, in houses made by man. But now he dwells in the hearts of people. You think about Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within. So this kingdom, Christ started it. He started building this kingdom inside of us. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you think about this building, this is really a community center, um, but we meet together, and even a church building is not really the house of God. We are the house of God. And God dwells inside of us. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. That's just a, a little rabbit trail. Um, you remember when Jesus says, you know, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Well, he wasn't talking about a literal rock. What he was talking about is, if you don't praise me, I'm going to take the hearts of hard hearts, or stony hearts of men, and raise them up to praise me. I'm going to replace you with another generation, with another nation. I'm going after people who don't even call, on to, call upon me, people who don't even know me, who are not even seeking me. And you think about it, think about us. We weren't seeking the Lord. The Lord sought us. Our hearts were hardened. We had hearts of stones. And the Lord, by his spirit, quickened us and made us alive in Christ. And therefore, we are to bring forth his praises. Verse 4 says, as you come to him, a living stone, notice that we're a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Think about this. Romans 12 says, um, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So here's this living stone. Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So we are actually, God is building his church. He's, we are God's building together as a body in Christ. So go back to Ephesians, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 3. So Paul is talking about be careful what you build upon. We're built upon the foundation of Christ. And the, and the scripture says in Ephesians 2 that we've been built upon the apostles. In other words, the preaching and the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, the Old Testament. Old and New Testament we're built upon, which is pointing to Christ. Look at verse 11. It says this, um, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If Christ isn't the foundation, then we have no foundation. We have no religion. We have no relationship with God. The church is not the church unless it rests upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. This is what Christianity is all about. It's not about just our, our, our reaction to God, but it's about Christ Jesus. Paul laid a, at Corinth, he laid a foundation at Corinth, and, and, and this foundation is built upon the revelation that God gave us, or gave to his people in the Old Testament. It is through Paul's preaching that the Corinthians were rightly put on the solid foundation. Many people today are talking about Christ-centeredness. How many have heard of Christ-centered gospel, Christ-centered this? And, you know, there's thousands, well, hundreds of books, or dozens of books about Christ-centeredness. But you know that we really can't have Christ-centeredness if we don't have God-centeredness. The Bible is pervasive with God-centeredness. From first, for Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning was God. <laughs> so it starts out assuming that you believe that he exists. And then throughout the scriptures, you see this God-centeredness, the triune God. Let us make man in our image. For Isaiah, um, Isaiah talks about who will go for us. For the heavens declare his glory. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you have given him dominion over your works? So all the creation, Romans 1, speaks, Romans 1 says, all the creation speaks of the creator. So we see this God-centeredness throughout the Bible. And upon that is birthed Christ-centeredness. Christ is the fullness of God. It pleased the Father that the fullness of the Godhead to dwell in him. And we're in him this morning. Amen. And so the Bible and life are all about God and his son, Jesus Christ. It is in that foundation that we are built upon. This foundation cannot be destroyed. Men of old have tried to destroy this foundation. And men of today have tried to destroy this foundation. But it will not go away. You think about the, um, the, what we call the dark ages of the church. When Catholicism was, was running the church, when people looked at the church, they looked through the lens of Catholicism. And yet God had a remnant. And it's through the Reformation that we are able to have the Bible before us. There was a period of time when the Bible wasn't available for people. Only those who were educated or those who were um, bishops or, or priests were able to handle the word of God. But then there was a man by the name of Martin Luther who God raised up to says, wait a minute. The Bible needs to be accessible to everybody. And he decided, him and a team of, of, his team decided to print the Bible in everyday language so that they can have access to the truth. 
Amen. Thank God for the reformers. Verse 12. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Um, it says, okay, well, notice this in verse 10, the latter part. It says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. So be careful what you build upon this foundation. Be careful. We are building something, but be careful what we build upon. Verse 11, I mean, verse 12 says this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Let's stop there. So notice that he's comparing three different things, six things to each other. First, he's comparing gold, silver, and precious stones, and then wood, hay, and straw. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I want the, the gold, silver, and precious stones. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that hay and that wood and that straw, it's not going to last. Um, so he's comparing it. So if you think about it, what are you building upon the foundation of Christ Jesus? How are you living? What are you building upon in your life? What are your goals? What are your aims in life? Whatever you're building will be revealed one day. Verse 12, I mean, yeah, verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. All right. So our works will be made manifest in the great day of judgment. The Lord's fire will test our works. This is very sobering. You think about it. Everything that we're building is going to be tested by the Lord's fire. Our work will be tested. Are you producing good works for the glory of God? Is your faith in the right place? Are you working to be rewarded by the Lord and not by man? Even in your sec what we call secular job or natural job or in the marketplace, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And you will receive a reward. So it's not what we consider church stuff. Let me show you this in Colossians. And we'll come back to 1 Corinthians 3. Is this okay? Yes. Colossians. Look at Colossians. It's after um, Ephesians. Philippians, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess it would be nice if the preacher knew the Bible. Books of the Bible. Colossians. At this. Colossians verse chapter 3, verse 22. It says this slaves, and slaves in the Bible days is a little bit different than what we might consider slaves. These were people who, who voluntarily sold themselves into slavery. To, to be provided for naturally. Slaves obey in everything those, so it would be considered like um, our employee, employers. Uh, slaves obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service. You know what eye service is? When you do something just for the sake of somebody's eyes. Have we done that before? Maybe when you were a kid and your mom 
come in your room and you act like you're doing your homework, but in the meantime, you were surfing the internet or the phone or something, that's called eye service. Or your boss come in and you're like, oh, you're working hard. I mean, you're like scrubbing the floor. You're doing extra stuff. And then when they leave, like, so what's up? <laughs> that's eye service. Um, or as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, work hardly as for who? The Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will re- receive the inheritance as your reward. So notice this, that even whether you're at home or whether you're at school or whether you're at work or whether you're in the streets, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord and the Lord will reward you. So it's not limited to church stuff. Are you with me? All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, so our works will be tested by the Lord's fire. Let's look at verse 14. It says, if the work that anyone has built upon the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So if our work survives the Lord's fire, we will receive a reward. How many know that God is a God of rewards? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, he that comes to God must um, come to him in faith and he, that, he must believe that he is who he is, who says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we, are to, um, if we have to build upon the foundation, let, let us build upon it gold, silver, and precious stones that our reward is sure. Okay, let's look at verse 15. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So our salvation, notice this. Our salvation is not built upon our works, but our reward is. Our salvation is not built upon our works, but our reward is. If our works don't survive the the testing fires of the Lord, the good news is we're saved but our works will be lost forever. So there is security in Christ. We don't have to worry about our, our salvation being lost because our, our, our works were burnt up. But, oh my, would it be good for us to have some rewards in heaven and not only just get there by the skin of our, you know, our teeth, but we are getting there with some rewards. I'm convinced that some believers, when they stand before the Lord, they'll be weeping and he's going to have to wipe away their eye, their tears because of the rewards. I think we'll, we'll respond that, wow, you're so awesome. But then also I think we'll respond, wow, I wasted my life building other things on this foundation than that which was ordained by God. So our salvation is not built upon our works, but our reward is. If our works don't survive the testing of the Lord, but we, if we do, then we're, our works are lost forever, but we're saved. But look, notice this. I, I used to um, hear the older saints sing this song, only what you do for Christ will last. But I, I have a little twist on this. Only what you do for Christ will last if it's the right materials. Only what you do for Christ will last if it's the works that will endure the testing fires of the Lord. 
So it's not everything you do in the name of the Lord, but it's only those things that will endure the fire of the Lord. So make sure it's silver, gold, and precious stones, not hay, wood, and straw, because those things are going to be burned. But those, those things that are solid, those things, and, and you think about gold, what is gold? Um, um, Peter talks about our faith being tried by the fire, coming out as pure gold. So if your faith in Christ is tested and you stand in that day, y'all saw that spit, you stand in that day, <laughs> you stand in that day. You're fire. The Bible says, blessed is the person that endures temptation for when he's tried and he's standing, he's going to receive a reward. That's James chapter 1. He's going to re- so if your faith is under trial, under fire, and it's standing in the last day, you're going to receive a reward. The Son of Man, the Bible says this, the Son of Man, when he comes on the earth, will he find faith on the earth? He's looking for strong faith. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Notice this, verse 16 is collectively, he says, we are God's temple. The word you in the Greek is plural. All right, so he's not talking about individually. He's talking about collectively, you are God's spirit. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, when we get there in a couple weeks uh, three or four, um, we'll see that the word you is singular. But in this text, in 1 Corinthians 3, you is talking about plural. You are God's temple. Collectively, we're God's temple. So he is saying here, we collectively are the temple of the Lord. God's spirit dwells in us. And the foundation is Christ. So we're God's temple. Let's look at verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. It, doesn't, it does matter what we build upon the foundation. If we destroy the temple of God by wrong doctrines and divisiveness and building upon that foundation, um, and it does not endure the Lord's fire, God will destroy us. What, what a sobering passage. God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Wrong doctrines, uh, divisiveness, and ungodly things taint the temple of God. It will destroy the temple of God. What, what is Paul saying here? The person who destroys the temple is a person who does not know the Lord of glory. Only from the spirits dwelling in the church does the church derives its fit status as holy by the presence of God. So to damage the church will be a sin against the Holy Spirit. So how do you destroy the church? Well, one thing that these people were doing is they were, um, there was much jealousy and strife. There was division. So anyone who splits the church will receive some type of judgment. God is serious about his church. You think about Saul, who was Paul, um, who is Paul, that when Paul, Saul was persecuting the church, the Lord Jesus appeared to him and says, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Matthew 25, 24, 25 says this, 
As much as you've done to the least of my bro- these brothers, the least of the- my brothers, you've done it to me. So God takes his church seriously. So if you destroy the temple of God, destroy the church by false teachings, um, by um, causing division, then God will bring judgment on you. When Paul uses temple, he is referring to the people of God, both individually and corporately. You think about the temple of Jerusalem was one of the principal symbols of the Jewish faith. The temple represented the one place God had chosen to be uniquely present among his, God, his elect people. It was in that place where Israel worship was focused, so much so that they prayed at certain times throughout the temple. Morning and evening sacrifice. So Paul emphasizes the need for the Corinthians to see that God was producing one spiritual habitation and Corinth. God had given them many workers to lay the foundation for the sanctuary. It was their responsibility to build the, with the right materials and not destroy the building by being divisive. We're not to be divisive. As a, as a body of Christ. You think about Proverbs 6. I don't want to go there, but you can write down Proverbs 6, verse 19. One of the things that the Lord hates is those who, who sow discord among the brethren. God doesn't want us to cause division. It's a very serious thing to cause division in a church. The church is God's holy temple set apart as holy by the indwelling of the spirit of God. We are not, we are holy we are holy based on the cross through the agents of the Holy Spirit. Then to devalue a fellow Christian is to sin against the Holy Spirit who consecrates the, this human temple. The sin of splitting away from those who God has consecrated has profound effects and effects in relations to God. Great judgment will come upon those who cause destruction to the temple of God. So we should be wise to make sure we're unity glorifies God. When we bring our talents and our gifts and, and, and we come together and you unite. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. It wasn't so much that they kept back what they had, but they lied to the Holy Spirit and called and they were trying to break that unity. It was at that time that the church, they were coming and they bringing all their things together. And instead of being honest, they lied to the Holy Spirit and judgment came upon them. They were trying to destroy the temple by causing disunity. It's important that we are mindful of the unity of the Lord and and his church and and loving his people because God loves his people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these things and we ask you to lead us and guide us, help us to build um, good things on the foundation. Um, Silver, gold, and precious stones so they can endure the fires of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.